certainly give honor to God this morning. Amen. We thank uh, the Lord for his presence here today. And uh, so I just want to stay in a posture of worship and attention. Amen. We, one of the things we talk about here is uh, what is worship for and the importance of worshiping with the body. And uh, one of the things we learn from worship is that worship helps us cultivate our ability to pay attention. Amen. It's not just the enjoyment of God's presence, but it's also about learning how to be attentive to God's movement in our lives and also in our community. And so a church that engages in powerful, engages engaging worship, learns how to pay attention to God. Amen. Not just in our church, not just in our personal lives, but also in our community. Amen. What's happening in these institutions, what's happening in the alleys and byways and highways of our, of our community. So worship is so vital to the life of the Jesus follower. Amen. Amen. And so we're glad you're here with us uh, this afternoon for our second Sunday afternoon worship service. Uh, we want to give a welcome to our guests this afternoon. Uh, my name is Anthony Smith. I'm lead pastor, and I'm here sharing the, the preaching with. Oh, I'm Tony Smith. She's going to get this. Amen. Amen. So we're serving as the pastoral team here at Mission House, and so we're glad that you're with us today. Amen. So we are starting, or we started last week with our four series, four as in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what we've been doing is, is asking the most fundamental questions about human existence, about the most serious questions about human life. And so last week, we talked about how do we face change? Amen. And so last week, we talked about the gospel of Matthew and how there's great change. It's all about changing that gospel. There's changing from location. There's changing in personal transformation. And so there's a call uh, to change. And so uh, this week, we begin uh, from the gospel of Mark. The question we'll be asking today is, how do we move through suffering? Mm -hmm. And so our passage this morning will be in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Forgive me, Malachi. Ma Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. And, uh, and before we read that text, uh, just quickly as he's pulling that text up uh, for Tony to read, uh, we are learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. We're learning a lot as we dive into this scripture the Gospels. And one of the things we talked about last week is part of our rule of life as a church is that every year we cycle through a gospel. Amen. And we talked about how um, when we are, anybody ever play, played in a band or a symphony or anything like that? Uh, we got a couple hands, right? You always said that tuning note before the rest of the orchestra would play. And so we talked about how the gospels serve in that capacity for the life of churches. The Gospels are like that, that, that note that's in tune that we, as you as an individual and as a church, we tune our lives to that note in the Gospel. And so we always encourage folks to rehearse, to recycle through those Gospels throughout the year. And so this is our, our meeting our quota uh, for the year, our spiritual formation quota to cycle through the Gospels in this series. Amen. Amen. So the passage is Mark chapter 4. Verse 35 through 41. That day when evening came, <laughs> he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. 
he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amen. Y'all pray for a brother. Um, and a sister. Right. Okay. Oh, so let me, let me take the second half of my phrase then what I need to pray for. So you're going to join me in this now? No. Because <laughs> I was going to say, y'all pray for a brother because I'm currently working on writing a book on the Gospel of Mark. So you're going to join that? No, I'm good. You're going to help me write that book? Oh, okay. I'm going to join them in praying for the brother. That's what I'm <laughs> All right, amen. And amen. So, so Mark's gospel is my favorite gospel. Um, and I, I would be a liar if I didn't tell you why it's my favorite gospel. It is because the gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel. <laughs> amen. You can go through it, read it real quickly. Um, but also, it is a power-packed gospel. Amen. It moves like an action movie. There's scene by scene. And like several times throughout the gospel of Mark, it always has the word, you know, when Jesus is on the move, it says immediately he moved. Immediately, quickly, he moved to the next city. He moved to the next place. And so in the Gospel of Mark, it is an action-packed a gospel. It also is a gospel that prepares Jesus' followers for suffering. Amen. And so one of the things that we talk about uh, here at Mission House is the importance to dig deeper into the scriptures, to understand what it is that you're following, to understand what it is that you say you believe. And so what we know about the gospel of Mark is it is one of the most power-packed uh, demonstrations of Jesus' performance of what's called the gospel. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question. You, I'm going to ask you rhetorically. If I was to ask you today, what is the gospel, what would you say? Some the good news, amen. But what is the gospel? What would you say? And so let's think about that for just a moment. But we're not going to go to the passage, but I challenge you to go to Mark chapter 1 that gives the most succinct, the, most, uh, 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 the, the best summary of the gospel message that Jesus preached. Now, sometimes some of y'all have been told that the gospel is the good news is if you believe in Jesus, that he died for your sins, you go to heaven when you die. Right? Is that some of what y'all heard? Amen. That's part of it. Uh, but the real thing is, if you go to Jesus' message, uh, the Bible says that he came into Galilee proclaiming the good news. And what was the good news? The good news was repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. So we're setting this up for you today because it's important for you to understand that when you accept the invitation to believe the good news, the good news being that the kingdom of God is here. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the world as God intended it to be. It ain't up in the sky. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus said what? The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what did Jesus say? Y'all pray it all the time. If some of y'all grew up in church, y'all remember the Lord's Prayer? Y'all prayed a hundred million times, right? Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom what? Come. Come. It didn't say, he didn't say, our Father who art in heaven, let us go to the kingdom up in the sky somewhere. And one day after we die, he says, thy kingdom come on what? earth as it already is in heaven so he was at, he was telling them this is how you presently currently pray to God pray that the kingdom of God shows up so what is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is God's world as God intends it to be it is a world filled with righteousness it is a world filled with justice it is a world filled with peace sometimes people oftentimes some of y'all know I'm an activist sometimes people don't understand they think okay he's doing that thing on the side a little bit no 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 this is the gospel amen when the when the crooked places are made straight and and mountains and uh, um, valleys are made valleys are made high and mountains are made low this is in part and parcel of the gospel so you got to understand that to understand where we're going today because Jesus understood that when you follow the gospel, when you follow him, you're going to suffer. Mm. Why? Because when you choose to live this life, you're running up against obstacles. You're running against mountains and valleys that try to obstruct the coming of God's kingdom. Barriers, roadblocks, demons, Satan, the world. 
So here we are in the gospel of Mark. Mark is trying to teach us. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. This is how you go through suffering. And more importantly, and to more point to, to the point of our message today, as I'm setting this up for Tony to come in now, Jesus is teaching us how to be resilient. Resilience, the ability to become strong, healthy, or successful again after something bad happens. The ability of something to return to its original shape after it has been pulled, stretched, bent, etc. An ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. resilience to bounce back and that is so hard when you're suffering it is so hard to bounce back and I remember a time and I guess uh, when we were talking about this you know there's a new baby in my home and I remember the just the joy that she brought every child brings their own joy and and that expecting you know caring and Waiting to see what would the baby look like. That's oh my God, baby. what that's, was that's my baby, by the way. <laughs> when y'all pray for him for this book, <laughs> he is he is in love all over again. He came in the other morning. Side note, and he just stood there and he looked at me. He was getting ready to go to work, and he said, "Baby, I think I'm in love." And I was like, "Well, I love you too." He said, "Yeah, but not you." Neil, <laughs> dude, she four days old, you know, and he's just, but she, and then, and he, he is, he is so in love with his baby, the way he looks at her, the way he, hey, how's Neil doing when he calls, so y'all pray for him, pray for Neil, but back to what I was saying, you should have said that before you, yeah, so, and I remember each child brings their own joy, and I remember my grandmother saying that, and my mama saying that. But when you talk about having to bounce back, my very first child was stillborn. And I had to give birth to him, like full-blown labor. But I was so used to carrying him, to be connected was to carry. To give birth was to separate. So I was messed up on because I knew if when they said push and I push and those contractions come, that this was coming to an end, and I wasn't ready. So I had all types of emotions, all kind of stuff as a first-time mother going through this. I was messed up. I was messed up. And I remember giving birth to him, and I remember holding him, and I remember the nurse saying, when we take him, we won't bring him back. And I remember the nurses coming, and my mama standing there, and I'm handing my child, and he's not coming back. This is it. And I remember handing him to him, and I, it took me a while to bounce back. But yet every year for almost 27 years, that suffering, that feeling, that pain, that anxiety, that Everything came back every year to where it was just as if it had just happened. And this was almost 20-some years later. And I was like, oh, my God, when will I bounce back from this? Like, will I ever get through this suffering? Will this pain ever subside? Will it ever get to a place where I can be good? How many of you ever been to that, in that point? Will I ever be good with this? And I remember just one day, his birthday rolled around, and that was usually the hardest. And my sister can tell you, like, it was, it was hard for me. And I remember, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm getting to the other side. Like they said here, Jesus was with the disciple, with the, the, the crowd, and he'd been with them all evening long. And then all of a sudden, it's like, let's go to the other side. And there comes a point when we have to separate ourselves and be with God. 
How many of you understand sometimes you can be around people for so long and then it comes a time where, wait, I just got to get to myself. And I remember when my mother left the room and the doctors left the room and the nurses left the room and the visitors left and my mama, bless her heart, my mama was what she said she meant and she meant she said. I remember her saying to me, you better hurry up and go to sleep because when this World Series go off, I'm going home. <laughs> and I'm like, my mama not going to leave me in here by myself. My mama left me. And I remember staying in that room and I can hear the other babies in that pain just coming and going. It's just one minute I'm good, next minute I'm not. One minute I'm good, next minute I'm not. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in the midst of my storm, in the midst of me riding in this boat and the waves hitting this boat, I heard John 3.16. It's like, John 3.16? Wait, that's a Bible verse. I reached over and I picked up the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I read that and I was like, oh my gosh. So then they, the peace of God spoke to me. But did it get easier? No. But every time it come, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so I held on to that. And so late at night, this is evening, it's getting dark. How many of you know sometimes I'm good when the sun is up? <laughs> but it's something about that evening and that night. Got to get through it. And I'm thinking about these disciples here, and here they are. Lady, I don't know what evening looked like for them, but I want to do evening before daylight saving time where it started getting dark real early. And here they are in this boat. And then Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side. But in the midst of getting and journeying to the other side, something happened. Something went wrong. How many of you walk with Christ? Remember when you first got saved and all of a sudden we were all on that spiritual high. And then all of a sudden something happened. Something hit your boat. And you question so much stuff. The disciple says, we're going to die and he don't care. How many of you have felt that? And like Anthony said, there's no way we can serve God and not suffer. Amen. Wow. So uh, the thing about this story with Jesus is uh, when Jesus says, y'all hang out with me, let's go to the other side, mm -hmm. they start the journey before the storm comes. The storm comes after they've began their journey. Amen. So when I say that um, you, you decide to follow Jesus, suffering's going to come. To be human is to suffer. Amen. And so uh, even my own personal story, uh, like as somebody who grew up with great suffering, uh, I remember growing up uh, in a household with domestic violence, uh, almost died at the hands of my own father, um, you know, seeing a lot growing up as a child, uh, dealing with for the past almost 20 plus years with severe asthma, almost having to die a couple of times because of my asthma. Um, so it's like I'm acquainted with suffering and also experiencing the, the, the devastating loss of my first marriage. And so that was very devastating. And so I remember uh, when I think about my own life, uh, when I reflect, because remember last time we talked, you got to know your story, amen. You got to be able to recount the highlights, the highs and the lows of your story to understand the trajectory of your life. And so one of the things is Tony was sharing her, sharing her story, when we began to, as a friendship, and we always get into a debate about when it changed from friendship to love, amen, I, I think her day one, amen, when she saw me, uh, you know, it took me a little while, you know, because, you know, guys, we tend to be a little afraid of commitment. And so, and I don't know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but one of the things that I told myself. Um, you told who, me or them? No, you. I don't think I ever told you about what I'm about to say, so this is the first time probably you're hearing this. I know, right? But I remember telling myself, you know how sometimes people, you know, when you're single, you know, you like, this is what I want in a man. 
This is what I want in a woman. This is what I want in a mate. You know, excellent credit score. Uh, uh, they got a car. They got a job. You know, you we have all these. say long legs. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, they had to be this and that, whatever. But y'all, y'all know what my first criterion was? And I said, yo, if I ever get married, she's got to be a woman that understands suffering. This is what I told myself. And so I remember when to, as Tony began to share with me her story, because here's the reason why. Because I understood that in my own experience, when you meet people that have gone through great suffering, oftentimes they have the capacity for great compassion. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I knew because of my own history, because of my own background, uh, because of my own failings, and because of my own idiosyncrasies, I knew that I needed somebody in my life that had the capacity to have compassion for me. And so I remember going at, I don't know if I, did I ever tell you that? I don't know. You don't remember? Oh, okay. And so when Tony's telling me a story about many things that she's experienced, she's experienced a lot of great suffering in, in her own life. Uh, with family members dying and uh, her child and uh, just a whole bunch of other things, betrayals. Um, it just, it woken up a compassion. And so that's what I was looking for uh, in my wife. And so, um, so the question then becomes, you know, as, as we were journeying uh, through this text, the question then becomes, how do we become resilient people? And so this kind of forced me and Tony this week to reflect on how do we become uh, resilient people? How do we step into that? Okay, yeah. So, so the disciples... Uh, and when we jump back into the text, because one of the things that we tell people is, when you're reading the gospel stories, try to put yourself in the story. Yeah. Amen? And we also talked about how we're so quick to put ourselves in the role of Jesus in the story. <laughs> but suppose in this story, you are not Jesus, but you are the disciples. Amen? And so, and so and when you think about uh, the disciples, and I always tell people this, when they're reading the Gospels, they're reading the, the Scriptures, uh, you got to ask yourself, so if I am the disciples in this story, if I'm putting myself, casting myself in the role of the disciples, what do they represent in this story? See, the disciples represent those of us in need of building up our resilience in faith. Because what happens in the story, if we can go back to the text, uh, Malachi, uh, Matthew, I mean Mark chapter 4, where we started out at. When you go back to that text, you notice what happened. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They jump in the boat. The storm shows up, and they are scared out of their minds. It says, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, and so it was nearly swamped. Now, they're in the middle of the sea. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they are in the death throes of probably drowning to death, the boat being uh, uh, swallowed by the sea, and Jesus is sleeping. In this story, Jesus becomes the example of faith and resilience in a storm. Catch it for a moment. While the storm is brewing, while the boat is being tossed here and there, they are, uh, the disciples are literally scared out of their minds. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They are afraid. And so, once again, Jesus becomes the example of what resilience in a storm looks like. Jesus has faith in the storm. Jesus has faith in the storm. Think about that for a moment. Jesus has faith in the storm. Because what does he say? Teacher, don't you care that we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, the opposite of faith is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is fear. Mm. We are all like the disciples. When the storms rage, 
and our boats being tossed there and here and there by suffering, by unexplained circumstances, by betrayals, by people that come for us, whatever that might be. Picture this. The boat represents our lives, our journey. The storm asks us to remember that we are not alone. The waves represents the chaos, the pain, the disappointment, rejection, misunderstanding, and abuse. Our waves are our emotions. And as humans, they are necessary. One minute, we are among the crowd. Then we're called out to go over to the other side, leaving the crowd, leaving what's familiar, to go do life, which is our boat, with Jesus, only to be tossed to and fro in chaos, which is the waves, that causes us to question the very foundation of our being, and that is the storm. The storm is asking us to remember that we are not alone. And so faith. Jesus has faith in the storm. Say faith in the storm. Faith in the storm. See, see faith is not just you believing God for uh, the material blessings of living the American dream. Let me just qualify that for a moment. That's not what Jesus had in mind when he said faith. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You in the kitchen, look out in the driveway, and you say Cadillac, 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 and you, and you expect, <laughs> poof, a Cadillac supposed to appear. No, that's not how faith works. No, faith is God giving you, mm, first it's a gift from God. But it's God giving you the ability to be persuaded by what God is doing. Wow. Mm. Oh, that's good. Say that again. Faith is God giving you the ability to be persuaded by what God is doing and who God is. Yes. See, Jesus has faith in the storm. To have faith is to have God's divine persuasion. Can you imagine just a moment? What would it be like to be persuaded like God is persuaded? That didn't hit y'all like it hit me. Maybe your imagination can't imagine that. But what would it, what does it even look like for God to be persuaded by something? Some of us, you know, it's hard enough for us to be persuaded with stuff. We're persuaded to one thing or another. You know, I like Ben and Jerry's uh, Chunky Monkey. Amen. And Tony has yet to persuade me to like Haagen-Dazs Butter Pecan. Right? And so we're all persuaded in one way or the other. And so the question is, what does faith is? So Jesus has faith. Jesus is persuaded that God will be who God will be. To have faith is to taste how God is persuaded about the issue, about the storm, about the circumstance. See, persuasion is to be, to have your affections, to have your beliefs, to have the very core of who you are shift from one perspective to another. When Jesus sits on the boat, in the boat, on a cushion, asleep, demonstrates his faith in God. Jesus probably saw the storm on the horizon. He's like, okay, Betty, bye. Bedtime. Jesus is demonstrating faith in God, being the opposite of faith is to behave like the very people ensnared by faith. When chaos breaks out, the disciples see Jesus asleep. The silence of God. Check this out, y'all. When y'all going through stuff, sometimes don't it seem like God is quiet? Think about that for a moment. Y'all go through some stuff and it's like God ain't there. God is silent. God feels absent.
See, the silence of God in the storm means God ain't scared. Did y'all catch that? When God is quiet in the storm, when there's silence, you might be freaking out. You might be saying, oh, my God, help me, Lord. You done brought me out here and strung me out here in the middle of this stuff. I don't know what to do. Some of y'all don't even say God. Some of y'all might get mad at God. You was like, man, forget you, God. This is too terrible for me to be going through right now. I can't, I can't stand it. You're quiet. You're silent. And so you're probably freaking out. God, can you say, like they, the disciples run to Jesus, hey, man, can you save us? Because Jesus is the one who told him to get into the boat in the first place. So God's silence is simply saying, God ain't scared. Let me just tell y'all, are some of y'all in some tough stuff right now? Are some of y'all in a storm right now? Are the waves kicking your butt right now? Guess what? God ain't scared of your circumstance. God ain't scared of your storm. Whatever you're going through right now, God is not afraid. God ain't being thrown all over the place, all over the boat like maybe you are. Because God understands, and Jesus has a little compassion for them, right? He says what? He probably like, oh, okay, God. Well, it's a good thing I'm on the boat with y'all. God ain't scared. God ain't scared of your circumstance. God ain't scared. And I actually had in my notes, y'all. I wrote it down. I sh- should have created a graph for this or a, a, a graphic. God ain't scared. <laughs> Go ahead. God ain't scared. Amen. So faith is to be persuaded <laughs> like Jesus is persuaded. Amen. Faith is to be persuaded like Jesus is persuaded. Did you catch that? Faith is to be persuaded like Jesus is persuaded. That's why you got to have a relationship with Jesus. That's why Jesus shouldn't just be something that you just put on a shelf on Sunday morning. Right? But there should be an active uh, uh, walking with God, an intentional walk with God in your life. And so how do we build, how do we become resilient people? So y'all know me. I got to do my research. Amen. So I found this Harvard psychologist. Her name is Susan Davis. She wrote a book called Emotional Agility. And so she talks about uh, how do we become a people who become agile in the storm, essentially what she's saying, that when we're going through physical or emotional storms in our lives, how do we maintain, how do we cultivate emotional agility is what he called. Y'all know what agility is? Any football players here? Right? It's like, you know, like that. I never played football. I played defensive end for like a day. couldn't get with the helmet on my head and the wind going through the little hole. I got a headache. Man, I can't do this. But anyway, <laughs> so I, on the football field, you know, the, the, the guys who can juke and spin, and right, they can move around. They're agile. They're fluid. They can move against uh, opposition. And so she says she talks about people who nor learn how to uh, cultivate uh, resilience. And there's more to this. There's a lot more to this. Uh, we actually have some uh, folk in our church who've been studying this uh, as recently. Amen. We actually may be doing some work around building resilience in our own community. And so one of the things she says is you got to learn how to show up. She says it is often said that 80% of success is simply showing up. Showing up means facing into our thoughts, our emotions, and behaviors willingly with curiosity and kindness. I always tell people all the time who are going through a great suffering, some kind of episode or circumstance or a storm, I tell them, you got to lean into the pain. Amen. As Cheryl Sanders, the uh, uh, chief operating officer for Facebook, she says, you got to lean into the suck. You know, when it sucks... You got to learn how to lean into it. And so some of these thoughts and emotions are valid and appropriate to the moment. Others are told bits, are old bits stuck in your psyche, in your mind. 
like that Beyonce song you've been trying to get out of your head for weeks. In either case, whether they are accurate reflections of reality or harmful distortions, these thoughts and emotions are a part of who we are, and we can learn to work with them and move on. That's why you got to show up. You got to lean into the suck. You got to lean into uh, what's going on with you. Then Dr. David says, you got to learn how to step out. The next element after facing into your thoughts and emotions as you lean into it is learning how to detach from and observing them, see them for what they really are. Sometimes God will separate, like Tony said, God will take us to the other side, away from the crowd. One of the things in the Gospels that you'll learn when you're reading the Gospels, there is the, the, the folks who are the, of the crowd, and there are those who are the disciples. The disciples are those that Jesus separates and takes them to an intimate place to deal with who they are, deal with their lack of understanding, deal with their lack of awareness. And so you got to learn how to step out with Jesus to get a sense to be able to observe, to see where you are. By doing this, we create a non-judgmental space about ourselves. Sometimes we can be so cruel to ourselves. Sometimes we can be more cruel to ourselves than other people are to us. We can be our worst critic. And so there's a point you got to learn how to step out and look at yourself and say, man, God loves this person. I love this person. We can also identify difficult feelings as we're experiencing them and can find more appropriate ways of reacting. When you step out, begin to see yourself. When things begin to emerge, certain emotions begin to emerge, you begin to know what it is. Some of us, even right now in this room, we respond to things emotionally, and we don't even know what we're responding to. We not even took the time out to step back to see what that is. And so we respond to stuff at certain times of the year. And we don't know why. I think you got something along with that. I'll let you tell that story. So we got to have detached observation. <laughs> I want to put on the spotlight there. <laughs> you know, certain times of the year, you feel. Um, remember when we first got married? And in a certain time of the year, you were feeling kind of down. And I begin to ask you, like, well, what happened? And you kind of put that together. It's like, oh, this is the time where, you know, yeah. And so when we don't step out, we don't see ourselves. You got to walk in your why. David continues. After you've uncluttered and calmed your mental process and then created the space needed between the thoughts, and the thinker, you can begin to focus more on what you're really or all about. What are your core values? What are your most important goals? Recognizing and accepting and then distancing ourselves from the scary or painful or disruptive, disruptive emotional stuff gives us the ability to engage more of the take the long view part of us. And what do I mean by that? When you remember your why, when you remember your mission. Now, mind you, in the Gospel of Mark, <coughs> when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we're going to the other side, Jesus is on a mission. So he has a why, which is to save the world, which is to bring the kingdom of God on earth. And so the disciples and Jesus are on a mission. This is what helps them navigate through and move through the suffering. And what am I saying, Pastor? What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is your why, knowing your why, knowing your clear values will help you move through your suffering. And then, let me come back down to close. Hopefully there's a way to close. We ain't closing yet. No, I was just thinking about when... <laughs> when you said that, and I'm still going back to those disciples on the boat, and it's, it's, the revelation came to me that 
because we are not always in tune with what's going on with us. Like, we have to go to the doctor because we got effects or something that's not right. But emotionally, and, and, and I can only speak from a woman's point of view, you know, it's certain times we get irritable, at, well, me and two. Wait a minute, let me back that up. <laughs> We're just responding to, you know. Yes. We're just reacting. Hey. I kid. But, <laughs> but we're always responding to something that we're not even paying attention to. Like, we don't lean into it and say, okay, what is causing me to act this way? And, like, when Anthony was saying with me, it was certain, and he, and he had to stop me. Look, wait a minute. This is a trigger to something. This is triggering something. But you go through life going and coming, coming and going till we don't even pay attention to ourselves. And if somebody tell us that we're acting a certain way, we're, we're quick to defend it. You ain't talking, you got me twisted. That ain't, that, not me. You know what I'm saying? Or we'll walk off like me, like whatever then, I'll just go to my room because, you know, it's always my fault, you know? So, and that's a red flag that something is not right. But when I look back at these disciples, I look at the fact that Jesus, I didn't just look at that. Something just hit me, a revelation. He leaves the crowd because people sometimes want what he has. The signs and the wonders. Because if you go back in scripture, like Anthony said, whenever there was a crowd, there come a time when Jesus slips off. But when he slips off, he's talking and he's teaching to the disciples. Because he's preparing them for something. Because there's going to be a time that even in their walk, they're going to feel the rejection. They're going to be misunderstood. They're going to have pain. And so I, when he, he just... The revelation dropped on me that he pulled them aside because as they continue to be transformed from the inside out, things are going to occur in their lives. He can speak to the wind, immediately change. But he says to them, but where is your faith? We can walk with God for a long time. In and out of these storms suffering and going through, but do we ever take that time out to say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? Because we have to get to a place that as a disciple of Christ, we have to understand the suffering. We have to feel that because if you don't, how are you going to minister and have compassion for someone else? I cannot minister someone that is going through a divorce or going through uh, something in their lives with a husband if I have not myself. I remember when I lost my son. Every time a child passed, people was calling me. And I said, look, I can't minister to them. My son, I never heard him cry. He never looked up at me. I never changed his diaper. I never went to sleep and woke up and there he was. It was even hard for me to minister. Even though I felt their pain, I still didn't have words to comfort. But I could pray. Because everybody's suffering is different. Because everybody's walk is different. But when he talks about that leaning in and that stepping back into it, that's the hard part. Because I want it to be done and over. I just want you to take the pain away. And he says, no, this is necessary. It was necessary for those disciples to feel like this is about to be the end. We are going to drown and he don't care. He says, I was with you the whole time. Even in your suffering, when your boat is rocking, when the waves are getting high, when people don't know what to say, when the doctors are telling you that you don't want to hear, God is saying, I am still with you. Where it says that he said he would never leave us, nor would he forsake us. 
And there comes a time he's trying to pull something out of us. In our suffering, he is pulling. He is drawing from within. But we want with our natural eyes to stop. And he says, lean into this. Whatever you're going through today, whatever the challenge is, whatever it is that's going on at the same time on the third of every month, you get this feeling. It's something that is going on. I'm aggravated. I'm agitated. I just want to be left alone. Lean into that. So God can say, peace be still. Oh, you of little faith. And he can teach us who we are. Storms come. Romans 5, and not the, this, no, Romans 5, 3 and 4. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces, produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has never poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. In our suffering, he is building upon us. He's taking things away, and then he's building, giving us endurance to go through to get to the other side. He's building our character so we can withstand some things, and he's giving us hope to hold on to. I remember when God showed me hope. He says, well, hope is like a rope that is tied onto us. And when I want to give up, he's pulling on me. He's drawing me closer. That hope. And then he pours into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He's not giving up on us. That's why he causes sometimes the storms. He speaks to the storms that obey. But he's building character and endurance, endurance and hope in his disciples. Amen. And sometimes God doesn't cause the storm. Sometimes the storm just happens. happens. Amen. Because sometimes, you know, in religious environments, we're told that God was trying to teach you something. Y'all heard this before? He's trying to teach you something. You went through this because God was trying to teach you something. It's not that. One of the things we learn about resilience is that God wastes nothing. Let me say it again. God wastes nothing. Paul said it this way. All things work for the good. Right? What does that mean? God will use storms that were caused possibly by your own decisions, by other people, by circumstances beyond your own control, God will use storms to bring you to the other side. Things are beyond your control. So it's not that necessarily all the time that God is causing the storm, because in the text we don't get the sense that God caused the storm. The storm just shows up. But God doesn't waste Anything. You got the song? Oh, right here. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the song. Okay, so we was at Starbucks. Where's it at? Where's the lyrics? Oh, it's in the scripture. No, the song, man. The song. Where's you got the song? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> We're working this out, y'all. We're working this out. Yeah. So we were studying and mm -hmm, at Starbucks. And... <laughs> Anthony heard a melody. I was reading, and he heard a melody. So there we are sitting in Starbucks, and we're singing this song. We wanted to share it with y'all. Go ahead, you stand, because I can't remember how it went. Let us go over to the other side, to the other side, to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. You want to go fast. Leaving the crowd behind. Slower, please. Let us go over to the other side. To the other side. To the other side. Let us go over 
to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. Amen. 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 God won't leave us by ourselves. In closing, in the end, we are not alone. We need God. God is there. We also need other people. We need our folk. We need our tribe. We need our crew. And we have Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. God, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this place. God, there are those, God, who are even in this room now are in great suffering. They are in challenging situations. It may be with relationships. It may be with illness, mental or physical. It may be dealing with children. It may be dealing with coworkers. Or if we have young people here, it may be dealing with their parents or older folk in their lives. But, God, we, somebody in this room has challenges. And, Lord, we lift them up to you. God, as you take them to the other side of the sea, God, as they go through this storm, God, remind them, God, that they can have faith in this moment, that they can trust you, God, that they can look to you as you sleep in somber and silence in a cushion in our lives as you are profoundly aware of what's going on around us, but that we can look to you, O oh God, who is not fearful. That you can be our rock, God, because you are not moved by the circumstances, Lord. Remind us of these things this week as we go through things, God. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. You got anything? All right. We have any announcements? No announcements? Okay. Amen. We have April.